morning sunshine Yeah, that's what the rock just said Open your eyes up Get your candy ass out of bed morning. It is Tech Talk Today, episode 242. My name is Chris. And I'm Angela. Yes, that was The Rock, Angela, singing you a good morning tune. Wow. Yeah, we've got a big show today, so let's start right with the news. Uh, Dwayne, The Rock Johnson just released a motivational alarm clock app. And guess what? The Rock's not a fan of the snooze button. So this app, it doesn't have one. Oh my gosh. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right, Andrews. I had to go find Where's that bell? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had to go get that. This is so hilarious. Uh, after a year of research and development, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has released an app. Now, he gets up pretty much every day at 4 a.m. Yeah. And uh, when you first open the app, it's going to ask you to set a goal. Uh, either indefinite or timed. No no magic formula, he says, or secret to success. I'm up at 4 a.m. every day putting on the hard work. He's super excited about this. He's recorded a couple of different songs for it, a couple of different ringtones, like this one. That is The Rock jamming out on guitar. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yes. This is really, this is really happening. <laughs> I kind of like that. It reminds me of like the 80s power ballads. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I thought a little you bit of, Yeah, a little yeah. bit of Aerosmith-ish. And... <laughs> wow, I like it. I like it. I know. I thought you might. It's actually... It's... He's he's really into it. Like, he writes, from this historic day forward, I'm waking your ass up. <laughs> Hashtag the rock clock has arrived. The rock clock. Oh, I can see that. Oh, say that like 10 times fast. This app is free. Download it now. We spent over a year engineering this app for you. Our goal was to create a free, direct, uncomplicated, free. cool, wow. motivating app to help you get uh, up after your and go after your goals every morning. I want to disrupt the traditional morning alarm system we use on our phones. Uh, I don't know. I think I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, Mr. Hey Citizen, would you get yourself a rock app to uh, wake yourself up in the morning? Well, I mean, the name is good, and uh, he does kind of rock, so <laughs> yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah, I think I think he's kind of known in his circle for getting up early. He's got it available for Android and iOS, and it's for free. Uh, so go get the the rock time, I think, is the rock clock is what it's called, the rock <laughs> clock. So there's no no better way yeah. to wake up than that. Now, uh, while we're keeping things cutting edge, of course, you're probably cording, cutting the cord, at least Hulu's thinking that, and they've got a new live TV streaming service in the works. That's the rumor. Now, here's the details. The Wall Street Journal believes that Hulu has an ambitious uh, plan to go up against things like Sling TV and the PlayStation View. Rather than trying to broadcast every channel in existence, though, it's claimed that the company will focus on quality over quantity. Oh. Hmm. Finally. But, you know, the thing is, this is like the anti-cord cutter. This is like, yeah, cut the like literal cable cord from the cable companies and just turn it into a digital, you know, internet. Yeah, it, you know, deliver your TV over IP. Yeah, uh, right. Exactly. And given that Hulu is part owned by Disney and 20th Century Fox, you can figure at least ABC and ESPN content and Fox content will be in the new platform, which is more than you can say for some of Sling. Sling has... Um, ESPN, but it doesn't have Fox content right. or well, ABC content. This is kind of what we've all been wanting, you know, yeah. like what about, some what about sort of this, hybrid though? of Netflix and, and so, cable. But here's the thing, Angela, channels. you're not going to cancel your Netflix with this. No. And uh, here's the other problem. Negotiations are still in the early stages from what we've seen. So it wouldn't even be launching until the start of 2017 uh, and 40 bucks a month. Wow. That's not cord cutting. <laughs> That's not co- – you know what else? <clears throat> I forgot. I forgot. It, you know, I forgot. That is – oh, I know. Hulu and Netflix feels like the Apple versus Android 
phone hmm. situation. Well, you've you also either got Hulu Am- or you Netflix. Well, There's- you've also got Amazon Prime. In no, there. I know, but no, but the primary ones, I you know, like I agree. when people say, "Oh, I don't have cable," I have. It's either Hulu or Netflix, but rarely is it both. But I'm sure they exist. I'm a Netflix. Hey, citizen, are you a cord cutter by chance? And what do you think of forty bucks a month? Um, yeah, forty bucks is kind of a lot, I guess. Um, considering Netflix is uh, substantially cheaper. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not a big fan of the cord. I I, I don't think I've plugged it in uh, <laughs> ever, so I don't need to cut it. Could you imagine uh, twenty years down the road? So Rikai's pointed out that Hulu, you know, is partially owned by cable companies and the broadcast companies. Forty bucks a month seems kind of like a lot, but in comparison to like a hundred and twenty dollar a month cable right? bill, it's not yeah. crazy. Yeah. Although you're not going to have the same selection as you would with a hundred twenty dollar a month cable, and you won't have a DVR, although it's on no, demand. No, but but when you pay a hundred twenty dollars a month, you have to sift through like a hundred and something channels to try. Yeah. You know, it takes like twenty minutes just to find something. But that if you, watch. what if you go big picture and you go mm-hmm. twenty years down the road and you say. Well, 40 bucks a month, say everybody switches over to a plan that's like this for 40 bucks a month and you're delivering all TV content over IP. Then as a cable company, you no longer have to invest in the copper network. You no right. longer have to invest in all that infrastructure. Well, and all of a sudden, 40 bucks a month is cake money because you're delivering over the public internet. You're not paying for that infrastructure well, necessarily. No, well, 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 if Hulu is owned by a cable company, yeah, then technically, right? Because they're probably, if, if they offer internet over cable then they are investing in the infrastructure. Yeah, I guess it does become like a who really... Wow, yeah. So Hulu is piggybacking on ISP infrastructure. Like, that's really interesting. Yeah, and then you can see why the ISPs would want to cut. Y- yeah. And that's where net neutrality debate yeah, gets yeah. started. Right, wow. Uh, so while talking about things down the road, quite literally, I can't help but be fascinated by self-driving cars. Yeah, and one of the things that I've always thought is when we get there, and I mean really get there, it's got to be 20, 20, 30 years off, even though we're already talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean when we really get there. I mean when everybody is in a car that is driven by a computer network and like nobody's stopping at intersections because cars are flowing like data packets. One of the things I've always thought is, boy, isn't this going to just devastate uh, the insurance companies? Well, uh, Warren Buffett says, yeah, self-driving cars will be bad. And Warren Buffett probably knows what he's talking about. cars. Um, is that going to be an issue for the auto insurance companies like a Geico? The answer is yes. I, th- I think it's a long way off, but I, but there's no question. Anything that makes cars safer is very pro-social, and it's bad for the auto insurance industry. But nevertheless, the auto insurance industry has always worked on making cars safer. I mean, they've led the way on things like seatbelts and all that. But but if there are no accidents, there's no need for insurance. And I think there will be a big reduction in accidents over a longer period of time. And of course, sure. And so, Ange, what do you think? Uh, like, you know, there's a, the hype is strong right now. You could even go out, if you had enough money, and buy yourself a Tesla that has a self-driving mode. You have to keep the hands on the wheels. It's not, like, fully automated. But you can, you can literally just sort of sit back and let the car do the driving for you. Mm-hmm. You have Google out there driving around all over the place in California with their self-driving cars. Apple is supposedly working on a secret project with car manufacturers. BMW is working on self-driving cars. Toyota is working on it. Ford is working on it. It seems like, in some cases, it, we're just years away from getting it on the road. And then, but, but in other times, when I think about the insurance companies, when I think about uh, all of the laws that have to change, all of like the local police departments that won't be making revenue off of tickets and traffic violations, and how that's going to greatly impact. Uh, local law communities like uh, this seems like we must be decades away. What do you think? What's your gut on it? Um. Well, 
I think it's just like, well, I, I think it's most comparable to drones, you know? It, like, I think there's a lot of things that could be taken from all the legislation and rules that are coming out of drones and airspace that could be applied to hmm. the the roads. But um, I, the, I, will, I am very eager to see what happens to insurance because things are still going to happen, but how are they going to prove fault? You know, is whose computer be, crashed? Whose computer had the right? Bar? Or, or um, check the logs. <laughs> or, uh, or, or is the car manufacturer going to have like a certain liability as well? Um, yeah, yeah Daredevil, really you think it's not decades away? You think some of this stuff will get smoothed over pretty quickly? Yes, uh, especially because some of the countries that were, used to be in the actual grabbing this, because I look at this, the biggest impact is going to be in transportation system. So when you're talk, like actually merchandising transportation, not just the regular individual commuting, that's that's the last end of the spectrum. That's where the legislation comes to affect and be damaging. But really, when you look at the transport industry, that's where it's going to going to be the driver for actually the adoption of this because these are the the ones that will have the biggest profits over it. So you mean you mean like big freight interest. trucks and stuff? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I could so, totally. Yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, so absolutely. Based on, based on that perspective, I don't see it decades away at all. I see it actually being pushed forward now. What I also see is that left-wing parties will try to limit legally the availability of such devices because of the unemployment that is going to be happening in a short term. Hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. In the long term, we will have jobs created because you have all these new engineering feats. But at, but in the short term, is going to create a lot of... So yeah. I see legislative framework hurdles are not on the technical side of allowing them to drive. Right. It's going to be on labor. Yeah, I agree. That's how I see it, too. Anyone else in the moment want to jump in before we move on to? Because I feel like we have 20 years. Yeah, go ahead, Anne. She can't do. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I was just thinking about it. And let's think about how electric cars were introduced. You know, at first they were like, oh, I could save a lot of money on gas. Well, no, because by the time like they raised the price of the car because they know you're going to save that money. Well, and also so it, it takes... costs more to build a, an electric vehicle in some cases. Sure. OK, yeah, sure. But and you don't have the scale you do of building gas engines. And. So like you actually don't like kind of make I don't quote me on this, but it's about, you know, like it's like 10 years before you actually get a return on investment on an electric car. And then also everybody, all the early adopters had nowhere to plug in their cars, you know, like and I imagine self-driving cars will have some element of you need to do something to to plug in or whatever. And there's not going to be a public. This is so this and then then we'll go to WW. Uh, So this point you just made here is what fascinates me the most, because if you go to a truly self-driving car system. You wouldn't need to have a car parked out front right now. You would have you would have you would have queued up a car on your phone 15 minutes before it's time to go. It would have showed them at your house. You would have gotten it. It would have delivered you here. You would have gotten out. And then when the show's wrapping up, you'd order another car. And the just the ones that are moving around the system would just stop by. There's no reason for ownership is. Oh, yeah? So yeah, why, why, why not have a fully automated system? Why not so have all cars it's a, on it's demand? It's an Uber with no driver. Yeah, it's <laughs> why not? If, right. if you if you can manage when if the cars can be available on demand, like data packets can be sent to a network connection on demand, and if you can have if you can have these cars charging themselves, driving to locations, charging up while they wait sure. to get queued up, and wow, they go. That sounds like a freaky. Like let's let's see a movie about this. I really yeah, I could see it going that I way. I would though. love to see all the intricate details that people think of that we'd have to deal with. You know, like the. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds great. Yeah. All right, Mr. WW, uh, your thoughts on the subject? Um, yeah, you're still going to have to have insurance because you're still going to have pedestrians around, hopefully, and people that are so massively in Walking? recycling. No. <laughs> and um, 
for I, I think you'd still have to have some kind of basic insurance at least to cover that. I don't really think you'll entirely be rid of insurance. It might be reorganized, but you'll still have it in some way. Yeah, it'll and it'll be just as expensive, even though yeah. the yeah. liability, uh, well, hopefully, would be way less than us actually being behind the wheel. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Mr. Darylvin, you'll get the final thought on the topic. Go ahead. So I think we're going to have actually a shift on insurance. So currently insurance is mandatory if you have a car uh, to have insurance, at least to some degree of it in most countries. Yeah. The shift is going to be that people have to have primarily life insurance or some sort of other insurance hmm. if you don't have single payer system. Because the companies, I mean, like like Chris showed that example of the, like the shared economy model that strategy, like the owners is always in the same company because they're going to have the, the freight monopoly, right? So that wouldn't seem like a mandatory legal insurance for one company. It's legislation that doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. in this sense, the, the shift, and we also there's revenue in the insurance scheme that governments uh, take. So they're going to look into shifting that onus to each individual, which will make you know insurance become more of a personalized thing, not so much as you are a car owner, you have to have car insurance. Right. I could see I could see us needing like a badge that would have our ID logged. Oh, everything, you know, all the things logged. Right. This, you know, probably is going to be Google and then um, a proof of insurance. And then we have the issue of, you know, like with the electric cars, the state's like, wait, but we're not getting, you know, tax from the gas to replace the roads. So. You know, they wanted to find a per mile tax or something. So we'll end up also then securing payment for a per mile that the car drove us mm-hmm. fee. I mean, taxes, 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 right? There's already some discussion not about that. Not necessarily. And if you look around the world, that this, that issue has already been kind of addressed. Like right now in the EU legislation, you have pretty much in the net neutrality rules, there is a special clause for specialized services, which include medical and self-driving cars here in like that in washington uh here in washington there is there is some discussion because the, we for a long time have had incentives tax breaks to get electrical vehicles and now there's now they want to move over to a mileage based uh tax system i want to move on though uh because that's i feel like we have 20 years to discuss that so yeah. this let's go tw- now that we went 20 years into the future it's time to go 20 years into the past with uh This crazy SOB got Windows 95 running on an Apple Watch. That's crazy. <laughs> it really is. I'm not even sure. I, how? Well, uh, he says he modified the Apple SDK. He created a emulated environment to emulate the devices. Do you notice, though, that he's got this little uh, plastic yeah, finger yeah, right there? Yeah, yeah. He, he has it set up to automatically move the crown every few seconds so that way the screen doesn't go to sleep. Because uh, otherwise the screen goes to sleep. Here's the other thing. I guess it takes like almost an hour to boot up. That's hilarious. <laughs> it's like, it's super crazy slow. And the guy just wanted to see if he could do it. And, uh, well, he did it. And then uh, you can see it right here. Here's a here's a video of him uh, perusing the start menu. Developer Nick Lee posted this video wow. on his YouTube account uh, where he is, uh, yeah, uh, he's running Windows. And, of course, you know, one of the things you got to do once you get it up and running is I would assume you eventually have to play solitaire. He uh, <laughs> yeah, right. he modified the, the, uh, the device emulator to uh, to take swipes as a mouse click or different types of input. So ah. he could swipe on the screen to do different kinds of clicks. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And there he is, ladies and gentlemen, 
playing solitaire under Windows 95 on his Apple Watch. And you can get you get a feel for it. You know how fast solitaire loads. It still hasn't loaded. Yeah. <laughs> it's still not loaded yet. Yeah, let's jump ahead a couple of minutes. Uh, there we go. Hold on now. Solitaire is uh, is loading. It's really ridiculously slow, but it's pretty neat. It's pretty geeky. Okay, so that's pretty geeky. Have you noticed that the price of Bitcoin is falling? That's no. also pretty geeky. Yeah, uh, here's what's going on. This is a uh, crack story from uh, OAN News, and uh, they have, I think, the best take on what's going on in the state of Bitcoin you ready, Ange? Get ready for this. Italian man claims to be the creator of Bitcoin, a claim that would end one of the biggest mysteries in the tech world. The computer scientist says he doesn't want fame or adoration. He just wants to stop the spread of misinformation about the digital currency. Winning, obviously. And it's my stag do, you see, so I'm getting married in two months. So running it for that, so it's very special. And tell me about when you looked over your shoulder. All right, we apologize. That was the wrong soundbite there. Ah! But Craig Wright, the, the computer science scientist, says he launched the currency in 2009 with the help of others. And although he has provided evidence of digital messages during the early days of Bitcoin, many still want more proof. All I right. love that when the mainstream media tries to cover a Bitcoin story, even though they got some of the details, Right, they botched it so bad by accidentally going to a clip of a clown running a marathon, um, <laughs> and then they continued to show it. They didn't yeah. go back to the anchor, like they're, they're like crawling through yeah, mud. And, yeah, oh yeah. my that was, goodness, that's so great. Here's another clip that explains a little bit of what's going on and why this is a big deal. Again, if you didn't catch it, an, an Australian man has come out as Satoshi Nakamoto. Australian entrepreneur Craig Wright has identified himself as the creator of Bitcoin. Now, this came after years of speculation about who invented the pioneering digital currency launched in 2009. However, in an interview with the BBC, Wright insisted he would have preferred his identity to remain secret and was not seeking cash or honors. Oh. The BBC posted a video of Wright demonstrating the signing of a message with the public key associated with the first transaction ever done mm-hmm. on Bitcoin. But The Economist magazine says there were still a number of steps to go through to evaluate whether Wright was indeed the creator. So this guy says he doesn't want any attention, doesn't want any credit, yet then comes out and tells everybody who he is. Uh, it just seems that's part of it seems a little suspicious to me. Yeah. yeah why, why say you don't want any? Well, and didn't they like supposedly catch the creator or like or arrest him like a couple of years ago? Like no, year no, ago? that was debunked. They wouldn't have arrested him either. That was debunked. Uh, oh. Yeah, that was that was uh, probably. Yeah. But here's I want to play just a little bit of the interview. And BBC always pulls us down for playing this, but uh, I just I want you guys to see it yourself and see if you believe it. I'll just play bits of it hope in attempts not to get pulled down. Right, and I'm about to demonstrate um, a signing of a message with the public key that is associated with um, the first transaction ever done on Bitcoin. And so uh, he is he's doing an interview with the BBC here and attempting to prove to this journalist who obviously has no Bitcoin expertise or cryptographic yeah. experience. Who does the world think? did that first transaction. What's the name associated with that first transaction? The monkey is Satoshi Nakamoto. So you're going to show me that Satoshi Nakamoto is you. Now that seems like a yes or no question, right? That's a good question. Right. And that seems like yes or no would be his answer, right? That's what I would think he would say would be yes, because he's coming out as Satoshi Nakamoto. So I would assume when this guy asked him the question, he'd say yes. Yes. Some people will believe, some people won't. And to tell you the truth, I don't really care. There you go. So he says, yes, I am Satoshi Nakamoto. He and set me up. I, I thought he was going to say no. No, I'm saying yeah, I know. Uh, yeah. and, he's, and if you don't believe it, he doesn't care. 
that you can say, hand on heart to me, I am Satoshi Nakamoto. I was the main part of it. Other people helped me. Well, that wasn't exactly a yes. Yeah, I know it wasn't. Why did you feel, though, that you had to come out? Or, and why did you feel you had to keep secret for so long? Now, here's the other thing. Is this answer is actually a little weird. So why did you feel like you had to come out? Why did you have to... I would prefer to be secret now. I don't think I should have to be out there. There's nothing owed to the world where I have to come out and say, I am X, I am Y. I mean, no one needs to do that. Well, then why is he doing it? Yeah. So that's kind of strange, right? That's that's a little odd. Uh, And what prompted it? That's is a, that is a, I have I have right, there's my, no like why not come out a couple of years ago when that when you know it was crashing or like when people were trying to figure out who you know. I have my theories uh, I I do have theories about it uh, I but I don't I don't have an answer uh, so uh, and you know here's 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 what's going on is uh, he's come out and said yes I am Satoshi Nakamoto and Gavin uh, Andreessen which is uh, one of the the chief scientist for the Bitcoin Foundation uh, is one of the core developers now. <clears throat> He jumped on a plane, flew over to London uh, on like the seventh, and met with him. And so he came. He walked out and said, "I'm sufficiently, uh, I'm, su- I'm sufficiently uh, uh, convinced that this is Satoshi Nakamoto." Uh, he did a few things that I thought uh, proved that it was him. Um, and I have a little bit of this clip for you, just so you can see how he was kind of reacting. I do think Craig is Satoshi. I met with him in London. Uh, he fits the kind of person that I was interacting with way back in 2010, and he provided some cryptographic proof uh, using the private key from the very first Bitcoin block uh, to show that he possessed that key. So although it's impossible to prove something like that 100%, I think uh, for me, he's proved it beyond a reasonable doubt. I wonder if they've checked Craig's basement for... You know, what, something else is when he was providing proof, uh, they, the, the internet quickly found out that he'd gone back and back edited his blog to make it look like he had talked about Bitcoin in the past when he hadn't. Ew, uh, that sucks. It looks like one of the keys he used to sign something was obviously generated more recently because it was used using parameters. Uh, it just looks like it looks like it was backdated intentionally. There's metadata in there that makes yeah, it look. That sucks. So, yeah, there's a th- now there's a few things in there, uh, and I have. I have uh, I have linked you guys to a, a blog post that does a good job. It summarizes the evidence that he is Satoshi Nakamoto, right. and then it goes through and summarizes the evidence that he's a scammer. Uh, most explicitly of all, it's his comparisons of different archive versions of the three smoking gun posts from Wright's blog show that he did edit all three to insert evidence of Bitcoin history. The PGP key associated with Nakamoto's email address and references to an upcoming cryptocurrency paper and triple entry accounting were added sometime after 2013. Mm. Uh, the PG key controlled by Wright, believed to be Satoshi Nakamoto's, was generated with a PGP cipher suites not available at the time that uh, Satoshi would have generated them. <clears throat> that key was never on a key server at that date. Uh, they claimed uh, his company worked with SGI. SGI says that's not true. Uh, anyways, there's a lot wow. going on. Also, Craig Wright is being investigated by the Australian Tax Office and appears to be accused of tax fraud right now. So that could be that could have something to do with what's going on, uh. perhaps. Uh, yeah. Some uh, quick cash money. Well, no, because he says he doesn't have any of the Bitcoin. That it's all in a trust, which I don't even know how that would exist. I don't know how you'd put Bitcoin in a trust way back in the day. Either way, the Bitcoin community is riled up about it, and they are, especially our Bitcoin on the on the on, on Reddit, is just going nuts. Silent Genesis. Black, or shot, or shot, or shot. Silent Genesis. Black, or shot, or shot. 
Somebody bit ticked the chat room. Look at this. Somebody has created a song for Craig Wright saying, sign the Genesis block or shut the F up. Sign the Genesis block or shut shut the fuck up. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like, the Bitcoin community is seriously riled up about this right now. Uh, You have tons of news coverage. Their subreddit's going nuts. Uh, And now... uh, uh, Interesting sort of backlash for Gavin, who I said was the chief scientist of the Bitcoin Foundation, came out and said, yes, I think this is Satoshi Nakamoto. After he did that, his GitHub access to Bitcoin was limited. People, and, the, and, the, and the group says, oh, well, we think he's been hacked. And so, he's, so that's why we've done it. But now it's become clear that he hasn't been hacked. In fact, Anderson – or Andreessen, I should say uh, – made additional statements this morning at a conference saying he still believes it's Satoshi Nakamoto and that he wasn't hacked. But yet Gavin's access to the GitHub for Bitcoin has still been revoked to make commits. Yeah. So it seems to be there's some backlash from the core development community for Gavin coming out and saying he does think it's Satoshi. Um, and then last but not least, Craig Wright says he'll soon move some of the original Satoshi Bitcoins to prove that it's him. Like only Satoshi could move these coins around when you move something. So I, soon? Like so once you find the person and I know, get that them, is I mean, weird, like, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that is particularly yeah. weird. I will – to prove to you all I will soon move some of the original Bitcoin uh, and – and he, the way this will be verified is people will watch the blockchain, see if these, you know, because those original bitcoins are in the blockchain ledger. They're at the very beginning of the ledger, right? And so they'll be able to, they'll be very clear if any of those coins were ever touched. Interesting. Why he doesn't do it right away, I don't understand. Right. Yeah. Uh, he also claims that he'll, he's going to refuse to do uh, immediate interviews. That once this is over, he's done, which is very convenient. He claims he doesn't want any attention, but yet he came out and announced right. that he's right. Satoshi, which is odd. He used a flawed. He, I just all of it is kind of, kind of nonsensical. But at the same time, could very well be possible. It seems like many in the mainstream media are convinced. Gavin Andreessen is convinced. Many in the Bitcoin community are not. Uh, Daredevil, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Are you convinced? So, this is complicated. I say there is a three sides argument here. The first side is uh, his stance of, oh, you shouldn't ever to come, have to come out and he coming out. Yeah, that still is relevant in the sense that that's the intention of Bitcoin, right? You, you are allowed to come out if you want to do so. And it's a clear advertisement of the capabilities. Second point being that he has now the ability to capture this attention to actually, one, make Bitcoin prosper a little bit more. And he already knows that it's in the current situation that the mystique actually helps him. If it goes well, he profits from it, but doesn't necessarily have the super credit, but still has some. If it goes bad, he doesn't take the flag because like it went bad at some point, you know, he didn't take any flag because he wasn't, no. The mystique protects him. And the mystique allows this to be an explosion in the media so that he, now that he's in, you know, an actual investigation issues, needs to actually be, to a degree, public siding with him, or at least awareness hmm. of it. You know, in a, in a sense. that makes sense. It's a protective measure. Yeah. And, you know, also, if you say what you're saying and combine it with Linux uh, Bobs in the chat room who says, establish him as an authority, then run Bitcoin in any way or direction you want. That's an interesting comment because I, I need to read more about this, and that's why I didn't, I didn't really mention this until now. But there is a huge debate in the Bitcoin community right now about how large we should be allowing the blockchain to get and how large all these different transactions can be. And I believe Craig Wright is on the same side as Gavin Andreessen. Like they agree on the direction to take that 
just that solution, which is not a particularly popular one. So it would be really interesting if all of a sudden there's this major, major core fundamental decision to be made. It's tearing up. It's literally tearing up the the Bitcoin community, creating forks, creating insecurity, uh, insecurity in terms of people's confidence. Like the Linux Foundation has gone off and created a commercial fork of their own because of these particular, I think, some of these problems that have sort of deeply, deeply caused people to be unsure about the future direction of Bitcoin. I, I suspect as watching it, this has been a concern. People have been have been growing in the background and it's super, super convenient that there's this massive decision to be made and Craig Wright happens to agree with Gavin, who is sort of pushing an unpopular opinion. And if all of a sudden you have the original creator of Bitcoin come out and say, yes, this is the direction Bitcoin should go in, that would probably move the argument pretty significantly if the community believed he was really Satoshi Nakamoto. So there's a, there is that angle. That could be why Craig is coming out right now, whether this decision is trying to be made. Uh, it could be perhaps that uh, I've always – watching Gavin Andreessen, I've always felt really super uneasy whenever he's answering the question about Satoshi Nakamoto. Uh, for example, if you go watch Leo Laporte's triangulation with Gavin and Leo pushes him on the question a little bit and Gavin gets a little weird about it. Hmm. When Gavin says he doesn't know who Satoshi is, uh, I don't believe him for some reason. Reading his body language – uh, I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Gavin was part, part – if there were several people that were Satoshi and he was part of it mm-hmm. and he stuck around and some of the other guys originally left. Well, and that coincides with Craig's Conspiracy. did it with other people. Conspiracy. Gavin is Satoshi. He likes the public and social skills. Does this guy take over and he's his partner in this thing? Right. And 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 I, I just – I wonder. I wonder if, uh, if, if maybe Gavin's getting pressured here or what's going on or if maybe this guy really is Nakamoto – we will just have to stay tuned and find out, I suppose. Uh, but it is sort of affecting the price of Bitcoin right now. Mm-hmm. Also, Gift start, stopped accepting uh, – uh, or Gift no longer allows you to convert Bitcoin to Amazon gift cards, although some people are rumoring that Amazon's going to start accepting Bitcoin. Uh, I, I think uh, there's a – I just read a story that uh, another couple of uh, big companies have begun accepting Bitcoin. So there is actual continued uh, adoption, which is yeah. – that's pretty cool. Yeah, it you is. You know, that's I, – I, uh, yeah. So a, ma- a major magazine publisher is going to announce Bitcoin payments soon. Microsoft has announced accepting Bitcoin again. Mozilla is accepting Bitcoin uh, – for donations, PayPal is considering uh, doing, uh, allowing you to uh, fund your account with Bitcoin. The Wikimedia, Wikimedia Foundation just announced they're accepting Bitcoin. And the German newspaper Taz has announced they're accepting Bitcoin all recently. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's, it's interesting times for Bitcoin. And that, that concludes our Bitcoin news right there. This is CNN Breaking News. There. So uh, shake it off if you don't like it. And good news because now it's time for our Kickstarter of the week. And this one, I think, could work right here where I'm standing, Anders. Oh, That's geez. why I like it. I know it. <laughs> now, it hasn't, it hasn't breached the winning mark yet. It's got 102 backers. They've raised $32,808 with a goal of $59,588. they have raised... 32,000 with only 102 backers? Yeah, yeah. And they have 15 days left to go. It's the Uplift, a slim workspace that transforms any table into a height-adjustable standing desk, which is pretty convenient because I'm standing right now. At your workspace. Maybe your ergonomics could be better. Maybe you could improve your efficiency simply by making your workspace more dynamic. Hi, we're the team behind Uplift. Uplift creates an ergonomic working position, easily adjusted to any height by activating the manual elevating system. 
With great stability, it easily lifts your workspace to your specific height, whether you use a laptop or a stationary computer. Uplift transforms any table into a height-adjustable desk, which means that you can create a dynamic office or workspace at home without compromising the aesthetics. Uplift is quickly adjusted manually using no electricity. We feel comfortable in our office and we created an atmosphere we think is pleasant and presentable. We didn't want to compromise with the aesthetics by discarding our tables and replace them with regular height-adjustable desks. We wanted to improve ergonomics in a different way, so we created Uplift. Place Uplift on a regular table and your computer on top of it. When you wish to stand, simply raise it with a lightweight pull. You're ready to work in an upright position. No wires and electricity is needed. When you push the handle, the spring elevating system ensures an elevation lock at your favorite height. Uplift moves towards you and makes space for your legs when standing. The main parts of Uplift are made of high-density compact laminate that creates a smooth, cleanable surface and most importantly, the unique stability. Uplift is portable and easy to store if needed, or because of the slim design, you simply merge Uplift with your computer and make it an integrated part of your personal look, whether it's at work or at your home office. Free your desk and make your workspace dynamic. There's two sides of this for me. One, I don't really believe in standing desk. If you really need standing in your life, you should get away from the computer. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I talk as a developer. I spend a lot of time in the computer. Seriously, get out. Uh, I I thing. like it. I like it just from like uh, for me, from a from like a broadcasting standpoint. I feel like I I have better breathing form when I'm standing, so it's easier, and then I have better energy doing the shows because I'm breathing a little better. So for me, standing sure. makes – I feel like does that's one of the reasons when I'm doing an audio-only show most of the time, I stand. Mm-hmm. I can understand, but that doesn't. But that's like a customized business-specific yeah. yeah. you know, yeah. type of product. Yeah. 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 On the other side is like this is not something super innovative. Go to Ikea, you probably. I no, agree. Right? The one thing I do like about it is the, the spring mechanism they're using with the latch system where you can set it at any level looks like maybe one of the best. Because like the Ikea right? one's a peg system. Yeah, I was wondering if, yeah, yeah. If, if it would fail. Yeah. Originally, I thought it might be hydraulic. Here's the thing, though. Realistic. Uh, yeah, as a business, because you're kickstarting a business, right? You're helping a business come yeah. out. Like as yeah. a business, do they have competitive edge with IKEA or anyone that makes furniture? Like, how quick can they copy this design? Here's what I like about it: is it, it does look super slim when it's not in use. So the way they have it all folded up is really yeah. slim. The pricing, though. Yeah, what is it? It's at least three hundred. Right? It's uh, three ninety seven. Was the yeah. early bird? Right. Yeah, and now it's a for. There's if you. Here's the thing, four twenty one is the next step up, and they only have a hundred of those, see, and then it's four forty six. This is what we're talking. This is this is ridiculous. So good there, craftsmanship there, and good no, wood. Maybe no, it just, I know. I'm, you pay I for like good a good wood. Okay, but here's the thing. It here's the thing, right? It it costs. You could buy a whole desk for that. I yeah. mean, like that is. I hate this market. I mean, does it really cost that much to make? Or are they trying to, like, in this Kickstarter, make up for, like, research time and expense? Like, it just, it seems like this is something that you'd want to invest in later once the price drops. Because that is so expensive. Here's who I think the market is. And I think that's why they probably may not make it. Um, It's for people that have really expensive desks already. And now I've gotten into the standing desk fad thing. Oh, sure. And right. so, and they don't, yeah. like, let's say this table that we got for broadcasting, which was actually a ridiculously good price, but let's just say yeah. this is like a, a 
dollar desk, which is feasible, right? Right. You Not all just, wood desk. You wouldn't just discard it. You yeah. would just add an accessory yeah. to, to modify yeah. it. Yeah. So I can see that. Plus, look at all these people raising iMacs. If you got iMac money, no. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> if you got iMac money or anything close to it, even if you don't got iMac money, maybe you'd like to support the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. We yes. can use your help. Patreon.com slash today. Go over there. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to say... Not funded. Not funded on the Tech Talk program. Yeah, right. But yeah. if you would like to fund the Tech Talk program or any show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network, patreon.com slash today. And, you know, uh, now we're post Linux Fest, and so yep. I've been thinking about it's time to readdress this. And I was just going through this page, like mentally, mm-hmm. like starting at the top. The video is awful mm-hmm. and does not apply at all. Yeah. The text is atrocious. Yeah. And, I have adjusted the text a couple times. Like, yeah. It's so – and, like, yeah. the milestones are, like, so, like um, – uh, like a, a tiny, tiny, pitiful, little, itsy-bitsy, minuscule version of the awesomeness that we want to do. Like, I look at that and go, oh, man. And the reality is, it's just simply, we've been super slammed. But yeah. we'd still, even though none of the stuff on that page is appropriate or justifies your support, hopefully the, <laughs> the content. content. <laughs> it's all in the content. Yes, exactly, because that's where we're putting all our energy and attention. <laughs> Patreon.com slash today. Now, here's something kind of neat. I just posted it to our patrons this morning before. Before the show started, an exclusive. If you're a Tech Talk Today patron, uh, actually recently for both the Unfiltered patron and the Tech Talk, I've been doing some exclusive clips. But for this morning, on the Today page, I posted an After Dark edition of Coda Radio. So we, we you know, we've got this new uh, Linux rig over there. Did you see that? Did you see that's Linux right there? Did you know that? Yeah, I see that. Yeah, and so that is uh, allowing us to stream to a whole bunch of different destinations and allowing us to do some extra recording because it's got a nice horsepower and. I experimented this uh, this morning with releasing the post show from this week's Coda Radio. Mm-hmm. You know, because Mike just had the kid, and he's oh, been, he did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, he oh, did. That's great. And uh, he's been looking at hardware, and you know, he his wife's laptop just busted, so he had to give. So ah. we were talking about <clears throat> different hardware and PC builds and stuff like that. And it was kind of a fun post show. It's only like six, seven minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, this is a good technology demo and a workflow demo of. If I wanted to take something like that and publish it to the patrons, mm-hmm. what's that workflow look like? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was pretty slick. And so I just put that up this morning. If you've watched episode, I think it's like, a, two, what is it, 203 of Coda Radio? Do you know which one just went out, Ange? Uh, I think it was 202. 202. Did, didn't you just? Oh, wait, it was, yeah, it was just yesterday, wasn't it? Didn't you just post it? It's 203. Oh, it was 203. Yeah, so if you've listened to episode 203 of Coda Radio, or even if you haven't really, the post show isn't really specific to the content in that show, although it is right. a little bit. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Go check it out on the Patreon page. If you're a patron of any level, patreon.com slash today. Uh, it's not something I'm – it's just – that's just a beta test workflow. I think eventually we'll probably be re- releasing the entire live stream, most of it, to the patrons. Of each show because yeah. a lot of people can't make it for the live sh- yeah. live recording but and, want to know that extra content. And the son of a gun thing is – and gee darn it, gall darn uh, is uh, – there's actually sometimes some of our best content in the pre show. I know it. <laughs> I always. know it. Sometimes they're real stinkers. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, so it's like the people who are the most enthusiastic and supportive of our network should be able to watch that. Plus, yeah. I think eventually, if you're a patron, maybe that's just how you would watch the shows. So you would just – because it's like – in terms of for like TechSnap and Last, it's like sometimes an additional 
hour and 40 minutes yes. of content yes. that do- doesn't make it in the show. I mean, for this show, it's going to be like 15 minutes before it starts and like 10 sure. minutes after it ends, five minutes after it ends. Yep. Uh, but for different shows, there's and, – and the only show where you get a taste of what that's like is Linux Unplugged, where we include that in the actual show format right. because it's the Unplugged show. Right. But it's sort of going to be opening that up to all of our patrons. Once we get there, the workflow hasn't been worked out yet. So what you see today there is just like me testing different ideas. We're still testing. Right. And we will be for a while. There's there's uh, one more backend server we have to spin up before we'll be totally ready. But patrons get it. Patreon.com yeah. slash today. And of course, there's some of you that maybe think, oh, my gosh, you guys create too much content. It's too long. I don't have that long of a commute. Where um, that seven minute after show video of Carter Radio is perfect. It's bite size. Yeah. I, know? I don't think I'll do. I think down no, the I road, I think I I'll do the full live streams. But yes, you but you could like, here's the here's what I here's how I would personally use it is I don't think I would listen to every show. But if I if I really enjoyed that episode of Carter Radio or say TechSnap or whatever, and I wanted to know what Alan and Chris said after they hit yes. after they stopped hitting record, because yeah. we often still talk about that stuff. Right. Then I would go dig that one up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is a lot of you out there are YouTube Red subscribers because you either got Google Play Music or or whatever. And if you have YouTube Red or even if you have YouTube DL on your Linux box, uh, you can just download those episodes right to your phone. Mm. Like with YouTube Red, you can go in there and just say, save this to my phone. And then you can listen to it on, on the go mm-hmm. uh, and not use your bandwidth. Nice. Yeah. Or YouTube DL and just download it to your desktop. Put it up on your media machine and just watch it. Keep it Anyways, on the DL. Patreon.com slash today. We're working on all kinds of cool stuff, and we appreciate your support for the entire network over there at Patreon.com slash today. And thank you, everybody, for supporting the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. Okay, so we got a lot more to get to today, so we should probably wrap this sucker up. And that brings us to our end of show clip. Now, if anything's going to get us pulled off of YouTube today, it's probably this uh, but there's a couple of things I love about this. It was created by the same animation company that did Star Trek the Animated Series. So the animation style is very near and dear to my heart. Plus it aired while I was growing up. And I have a suspicion that our eldest may be getting into the series because he's been asking me questions about it recently. Interesting. I don't even know how he found out about it because it is, well, some of you may never even watched it. But it is our end of show clip. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to add content to the show or a Kickstarter, techtalktoday.reddit.com. What are you laughing about? Sweet Lou. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's not. The, no, it's not porn. It's not porn. Jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to find out when we're live, jblive.tv to watch it. And please do join us in that mom room. We'd love to hear your insights. It's the People's Tech Show after all. See you next week. <laughs> And the masters of the universe. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia and defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. This is Cringer, my fearless friend. Fabulous secret powers were revealed to me the day I held aloft my magic sword and said, By the power of Grayskull. became the mighty battle cat and I became He-Man the most powerful man in the universe only three others share this secret our friends the sorceress man-at-arms and orco together we defend castle Grayskull from the evil forces of Skeletor 